0: Welcome to the Disney Deciphered Podcast, where our goal is to save you money, time, or stress as you go about planning your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we introduce your hosts, talk a little bit about our past with Disney, talk to you a little bit about who should be listening to this podcast, and what you can expect in future episodes. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As a Joe Flies.
1: And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes.
0: And uh, welcome to our new podcast.
1: Joe, I think we can do better than that.
0: Yeah, I think we need to get some better microphones too, so let's try that again. Welcome. Welcome. To Disney Deciphered, a podcast that has hopefully saved you money, time, and stress as you've planned your Disney vacation for the last 200 episodes. On today's episode, we take a look back at what's changed since we began and reminisce about some of our favorite episodes. Final episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash Deciphered, Or you can support the podcast at no cost to you, by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing Joseph Chung at Travelmation.net. Connect with questions for the podcast anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at ww.deciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook and Instagram pages, Disney Deciphered. Thanks so much for listening all these years and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As Joe Flies.
1: And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tikes.
0: And welcome back to Disney Decipher. It is episode 200, Leslie. We've been doing this for almost four years. Our first episode was in March of 2018. Can you believe it?
1: I cannot believe that we have made it to episode 200, especially considering like almost 100 of those episodes were during a global pandemic.
0: You know, I think we've alluded to this in the past, but 100 episodes ago, we were starting to ask ourselves, our goal is to help people plan their Disney vacations. And it felt like we had gone to the point where we had no advice left to give. And then the entire world, were not happy about it, but the entire world changed. And so... The next hundred episodes was actually not that difficult to fill. We were pretty worried there for a little bit.
1: Yeah, we were definitely running out of ideas, but I guess thanks for the curveball universe. Yeah,
0: I guess, you know, yeah. we're, we're not we're not happy about it, but no. we're still here. So hopefully someone is happy that we are still here recording this 200 episodes later. We recorded our first episode in March of 2018. So we thought we would look back at all of the major changes that have happened at Disney World and a little bit in Disneyland since we began in 2018. And we're going to give each of these changes a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a thumbs down to the side if it's a bit of a mixed bag. So Leslie, you ready to look back at the last four years of Disney and Disney deciphered history?
1: For sure. Can't wait.
0: So let's start with the first big thing that happened and changed at Walt Disney World, which was in July of 2018, Toy Story Land opened. Now, if you go all the way back to episode 18, Leslie, I think that was the first episode we recorded live together in person. I remember that being a lot of fun.
1: Yes, I think we were sitting at Woody's Lunchbox, right?
0: Yep. I actually listened to like 15, 20 minutes of the episode, still relevant to this day. One of the... Episodes that remains relevant 200 episodes later. But Toy Story Land opened at Disney's Hollywood Studios in Walt Disney World. Now Toy Story Land, thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs to the side. What do you give it, Leslie?
1: Oh, gosh, two thumbs up. Toy Story Land's great.
0: Yeah, totally agree. One of the best additions to Hollywood Studios. Like we talked about last episode, Slinky Dog Dash still remains one of the most popular rides at that park. It's definitely less smooth than it was when we first rode it, but it's still a pretty smooth roller coaster. Great introductory roller coaster for little kids. And of course, my favorite ride, Leslie, you know What's the best ride at Toy Story Land?
1: (laughs) Oh, Alien Swirling Saucers. Yes. Yes. The seventh circle of you-know-what for you, Joe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. H-E double hockey sticks. Yes. (laughs) Alien Swirling Saucers. But still, I got to give Toy Story Land two thumbs up as well. Still love going there, especially at night. I really love being at Toy Story Land at night.
1: Totally agree. And of course, there's more coming to Toy Story Land because we're going to be getting a table service restaurant soon enough. So that hopefully will add to an already great land.
0: Indeed. Now, the next big change that happened was in October 2018. And that is when Disney moved to permanent date-based pricing. Those of you who were not Disney fans before then, or even those of you who were may not remember, but before October 2018, it was a set price for Disney tickets. Well, actually, no, Leslie, it was like three levels of pricing for the tickets, was it?
1: I don't think I can remember that far back at this point, Joe. Oh, my yes, gosh. I,
0: I, I think... I, I think they gradually eased it in and it was like kind of peak off peak normal ticket prices for That's a while right. there for a couple of years. But in October 2018, it became completely dynamic date based pricing. So now your ticket price depends on the day that you start the ticket. So this dynamic pricing overall, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs to the side, Leslie.
1: Thumbs down because it still confuses me years later. It's just way more brain power than people need to be spending. And, you know, and of course, people sometimes change their plans and they want to go at a different time. And maybe they've bought a ticket that's more money than they need. I mean, it's just messy. I don't like it. What about you?
0: I definitely agree. Thumbs down. I think something on the back end of the IT got harder to like move your tickets to. So thumbs down for that as well. But to me, the biggest thumbs down for this date based pricing is Leslie. Remember those days where every February we waited for Disney to do their price increases and we tried to buy tickets before then?
1: Still doing it for Disneyland.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For now. For now. Well, what's happened is with this date based pricing, Disney can just change their ticket prices whenever they want. I mean, they don't, but like for the entire year, like they released the date based price for the entire year. So it's pretty much every year, there's a price increase, and there's no kind of set date where they all increase. So just kind of creeps in. And so big thumbs down for that.
1: Totally. It becomes more opaque, and we can't get mad about it as much. All right, next big opening that happened was Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And that, of course, launched at Disneyland in May of 2019. And I was there for it. And then in August of 2019 at Walt Disney World. And then Walt Disney World, of course, leapfrogged Disneyland by getting the first opening of Rise of the Resistance, which was in December of that year as well. So thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs to the side, Joe.
0: I'm going to give Galaxy's Edge, The Land, two thumbs up. I still love it. I love walking through there and the theming that they've done. I was thinking back to how it rolled out in 2019, and I don't think it hurt us as consumers. But for Disney itself, I think it was a real unforced era thumbs down on the rollout with rolling it out separately at the different parks, only having Millennium Falcon smugglers run to start with. Like, I think that was a bit of a mess. So two thumbs up for The Land itself, but thumbs down for the execution in 2019. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree that the execution was major thumbs down. I mean, Disneyland had that weird reservation system for several weeks where you had to to pre-book your reservation into the land. And then it just resulted in interest in Disneyland generally just tanking. I've never seen the parks emptier. So it was a weird, weird time in in June of 2019 before then they had that virtual queue for the land, which happened a couple weeks later. So it was just bizarre from an opera perspective what what happened and you know not having rise was a bummer for sure and the other thing was i i I love the land it's it's magnificent rise is an unbelievable ride so i have to give it a thumbs up but i still think that there were missteps with it and those missteps continue to this day i mean setting it at a precise moment in Time And, you know, not allowing characters that we all know and love to be present in the park make it feels it feels dead still to me. And, you know, I'm constantly contrasting it with uh, something else we'll be talking about (laughs) a little bit later Avengers Campus at Disneyland and how they've done that better, even though it's not as magnificent of a land.
0: Yeah, I'm sure Dennis Keithley from Podcast Stardust and uh, one of our patrons could correct me, but is Chewie like 150 years old or something? Because like you said, Galaxy's Edge is set in a certain space and time, and he's like the only character from the movies that makes it into it because I guess Wookiees live for centuries or something like that. I don't know. I I don't know the timeline, but yeah, it is a mess.
1: Yeah, for sure. I don't know what a Wookiee lifespan is, so we'll have to look that up for somebody who knows Star Wars canon better than I.
0: Dennis, you got this. Let us know, okay? You know where to find us. All right, next big change. In September of 2019, Disney Skyliner came online. From my son and myself, two thumbs up for the Skyliner. Huge fans. What do you think?
1: I still haven't been on it, Joe. (laughs) Can you believe that? Because we were there. Uh, I mean, I can believe it as
0: much as I can believe that the world got affected by a gigantic pandemic. So yes, I can not believe it, I guess.
1: Right. But you remember we were there in October, early October of 2019. So a few weeks after it opened, and that's when it had that big breakdown and crash, and they closed it for several weeks. So I missed it. I should have been on it at this point. I've seen it being tested and running and just haven't ridden yet. But I, I'm sure I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I, I love that it just brings more transportation to the parks, and it makes other connections possible. And it just, you know, anything that makes the logistics more efficient gets a thumbs up for me.
0: Yeah, like we've said before, it's really moved the nucleus of Disney World over towards the Crescent Lake area over towards the Skyliner. So you know, that just speaks for itself for how big the Skyliner has been for Walt Disney World. (laughs) As I just referenced, in case you didn't know, there was a global pandemic. Now when Disney World came back, there was a bunch of changes to the parks, you know, this Disney World reopened in June 2020 and I would say that these changes to the parks are still ongoing now some of the big ones are park reservations you can only park hop at 2 p.m i feel like those are like the biggest ones that we think will probably stick around forever what do you think of these changes that disney implemented ostensibly due to covid but i think we know deep down they wanted to do this anyway what do you think about these changes leslie
1: so on balance i mean a thumbs down from me i really don't like the park hopping time limitation i don't understand the reason for that other than just disney's own operations uh, has an Nothing to do with pandemic at this point. Park reservations, I guess I'm a little bit more of on balance, okay with. I mean, I don't like it as a guest. I don't like having to make reservations and worrying about, you know, is this park going to sell out and can I switch? And sometimes in the past year and change, it's been really easy to get a reservation for all four parks. Other times it's been incredibly hard. I don't know where it's going to shake out long-term. So I don't love that. But I do love the idea, I guess, of there being a capacity upper limit to theme parks, but I think ultimately that that upper limit is going to be higher than I I want it to be. (laughs) So I'm not sure it does me any good in the long term. What do you think?
0: Yeah, if you know this meme, I am Kevin from The Office. Thumbs down. I don't love these changes. I agree with you. I could deal with park reservation changes. To me, the big one that I really dislike is park hopping at 2 p.m. Like you just said, I think we both thought that that was going to go away, but it still hasn't. Hopefully it goes away eventually because park hopping at 2 p.m. is terrible. I don't need six hours at Animal Kingdom, especially if I'm on a long trip and I could hit it twice. Thumbs down to these park reservation and park hopper changes. Now, more changes that were made post reopening that we need to talk about and they deserve their own category is the changes to on-site hotel benefits. So, Leslie, we lost Magical Express. We lost evening hours for all of the resorts. We lost extra magic hours in the morning, which was like at least an hour. Now, what we've gotten in return for that is 30 minutes early theme park entry. Overall, these on-site benefits changing. Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs to the side.
1: Overall, thumbs down. I mean, the net result is getting a whole lot less for your on-property stay and still paying the same and maybe paying even more for it. For it. But I mean, I guess the one that I'm kind of thumbs to the side on is is the early theme park entry. It seems like you can get some real value out of that. And we certainly dismissed that possibility when we heard about it in the first place and, and now are seeing it in action and it, and it does seem to be working. So I guess if you're if you're staying on site, it's great. I mean, if you're staying off site, it stinks for you because every morning in every single park, all the on-property guests have a, have a jump on you.
0: Yeah, I think we're exactly on the same page for that one. There are probably other on-site benefits that we forgot about that were lost, but overall, all that's left is early theme park entry. And that is just kind of not enough. So I agree with you. Thumbs down overall. Now moving over to Disneyland, Avengers Campus opened in June of 2021. I have not been there, Leslie, but seems like you were alluding that that is a thumbs up for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is a thumbs up for me overall. I certainly have my complaints about Avengers Campus. It's way too small. It's really hot. You know, there's a lot of Asphalt and not a lot of coverage, kind of like Toy Story Land, same. You know, why does Disney keep doing this again and again and again, but in some shade? But... As a land, it really is great. I mean, what they learned from the mistakes at Galaxy's Edge about incorporating characters into the land and then what they're doing now with all the Disney Plus shows, you know, bringing characters the very week that, that a show is released on Disney Plus, bringing that character into Avengers Campus is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, for the super fans, and I'm not a super fan for anything Marvel, but I do watch most of the the movies and the shows. It's really well done, so For that crowd, it strikes the right note, I think. I mean, I do wish it was bigger. I do wish it had an e-ticket attraction. And we don't even have a date as to whether that e-ticket attraction is is completely canceled or, you know, some point in the future back on the table. It needs another ride for sure.
0: Just to make a quick commentary on it, Disney is so much smarter to have it so that when new Marvel movies release, they can just throw those characters into Avengers Campus and have marketing synergy there. So it still makes no sense. Although I love the idea of Galaxy's Edge being set in a certain time period. It just, from a marketing synergy perspective, does not make sense. I appreciate the swing for the fences that Disney made with Galaxy's Edge because they were trying to be true to the storytelling. But maybe overall, give the people what they want. They just want to see Luke, Leia, Han Solo, Rey, Finn, Poe. So they did it right with Avengers.
1: That's right. It's easier to do it right with Avengers because like Doctor Strange makes it possible for everybody to be in the same space from different times, right?
0: (laughs) Yes, Disney, bring us the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge multiverse, you
1: cowards.
0: (laughs) All right, two more of these big changes. The 50th anniversary changes or offerings at Disney World. I don't think normally we would include timed offerings, but it is the 50th anniversary. Overall, I would say thumbs up. I guess. Mild thumbs up for the 50th anniversary changes. They're not, you know what, I take it back. It's thumbs to the side. Okay, they took away Happily Ever After, replaced it with enchantment, which is fine, but the more i thought about it, Harmonious, which I really enjoy as a show, is just not worth having a gigantic teleportation for aliens Stargate in the middle of the lake at World Showcase. It's, it's just too much. I, I can't deal with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have obviously haven't seen the 50th in person yet, but I'm I'm also thumbs to the side from what I know and, and, and what I've seen and talked to people about. I mean, the 50th is underwhelming, and some of that is not Disney's fault. I mean, that is because construction was delayed because of COVID and et cetera, et cetera. But some of the choices were not swinging for the fences, which is what they should have been doing at the 50th. They were playing it safe, and the suits were doing something that they thought would be pleasing to the widest variety of people. And the result is it's not as magnificent as it could be. Although I guess I need to put an ellipsis there because I I haven't seen Kite tails.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah. How can we forget Kite tails? The greatest (laughs) thing to ever happen to the animal kingdom. Now, I said this during my trip report, and I should say this again. I do think that we are thumbs to the side for the 50th because we are people who go to the parks all the time. I think if you haven't been to Disney World in a long time or, you know, you are not a regular goer, I do think the 50th is going to be two thumbs up for you because Disney did do a lot. It's just, I think, compared to what regular Disney goers expected, it just uh, didn't live up to that. But that doesn't mean it isn't good overall. So, you know, we're grading on a curve here, maybe an unfair curve to Disney.
1: That's right, Joe.
0: All right. Final change. Genie Plus. Overall, what do you think? Is Genie Plus thumbs up or thumbs down? This is maybe controversial. I don't know. I don't know what you're
1: going to say. Ooh, I'm really curious to hear what you, you're going to say. I, I'm thumbs to the side on it. And the reason is, I mean, I'm really, really excited to have some sort of a fast pass replacement back because I don't like standing in lines and I have to have that to be able to feel like my time is not being wasted at a theme park. So I'm glad for that. But the execution has problems. There are not enough attractions in three of the four parks to really make, you know, Genie efficient, to make it what I sort of remember the Gloria Days of Max Pass at Disneyland being. You know, I don't love there's a 120-minute clock instead of a 90-minute clock. I don't love that some of the best attractions have been taken out of circulation and instead turned into paid Lightning Lane. I'm not sure... About how I feel about the 7 a.m. first booking, you know, I'll have to wait and see how Disneyland's goes because, of course, for Disneyland, you'll have to have scanned into the park to be able to make your first booking with Genie Plus. And I'm not sure ultimately what I'll like better. And I don't like being limited to only riding an attraction once per day. That's a downgrade from Max Pass too. So sorry, Genie Plus, it's only kind of meh. And And of course, we should add Genie is a total thumbs down, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Disney Genie. It's not even worth talking about. It's not even worth rating Disney Genie because it's so bad. Oh, you you got me all twisted, Leslie. I was ready. I guess I'll still stick with this, but you make a very compelling argument. I'll say that for me and my family and hopefully for listeners of this podcast who are able to maximize Genie Plus, I give genie plus a thumbs up because i feel like i can work the system i understand the system well enough that i can use it to give my family and especially my kids the best experience that they could get at disney world using that and it's worth the 15 dollars to me to do that for them however i would say for the general public overall genie plus is a thumbs down because plenty of people are going to pay for this and not get their money's worth out of genie plus fundamentally i just don't love that from Disney. With Fast Pass Plus, yes, it was baked into the cost of your ticket, but if you didn't understand how to use it, if you didn't understand how to maximize it, well, at least you got three rides per day. With Genie Plus, like we talked about last episode, if things go wrong for you at Hollywood Studios, you might not even get three rides out of Genie Plus. So you're just paying $15 to not even get three actual attractions out of like, you know, I don't count Frozen Ever After Sing Along as a Genie Plus Lightning Lane. So thumbs down for the general public, hopefully for myself you listeners of this podcast people who are disney savvy thumbs up for that
1: yeah i think that's fair personally for me it is a thumbs up because i will be maximizing the heck out of it (laughs) except for maybe on thanksgiving day or something like that where you're just going to hit a brick wall but all the rest of the times for sure i will be getting value and it's going to be worth that 15 dollars to me i mean i personally the cost is not negative for me i mean i guess i've been trained paying for max pass over the years and i think that's going to be a little bit harder for the average walt disney world faithful guest because getting used to that extra amount of money in the budget does hurt
0: yeah and we should say that genie plus has just rolled out disneyland early returns look very good so we're only talking about disney world's version at the moment all right. So we want to end things by talking about, you know, we gave some categories that we're going to choose some of our favorite episodes from the last 200 for. Uh, I don't think I said that sentence grammatically correct, but you get the gist. So let's start with, uh, you know, Leslie and I had to pre-choose these episodes that are still pretty relevant. We did a remake of one of our earliest episodes, which is Why Visit Disney World at All. That's episode 98. I still find that very relevant episode and listening to it. I still agree with a lot of what we said about why visit Disney World. Uh, There was an episode we did within the first 10, which is why is planning a Disney World vacation stressful? I think we were spot on then, but I think it's gotten worse since then, Leslie. I don't know. What do you think? Is it more stressful now than it was in 2018 to plan a Disney World vacation?
1: Uh, yeah, because now you have to make your park reservations. And now you're worried too. I mean, people book a trip several months in advance, and then the COVID situation changes or the rules change. So that's still present as a source of stress in either direction, depending upon what your preferences are for your vacation. So I mean, I think that's going to continue to remain stressful well into 2022.
0: Fair enough. Other relevant episodes, if you're deciding to use episode 200 as an excuse to go through our backlogs, all our impressions of the various hotels, those still pretty much hold true. And then, of course, our must-do rides episode, which was episode 105, recorded in February of 2020. Not much has opened since then, so that's still a fairly relevant episode. Now, Leslie, the award for our worst timed episode is not... Our Advanced Genie Plus episode, episode 196, which was relevant for seven days. It is the episode released on March 11th, 2020, which was only relevant for four days, Leslie. Is the Disney dining plan worth it? They are still not back yet. <laughs> Disney shut down on March 15th. And so that episode only lasted four days. In fact, if you let, listen to that episode and bought the dining plan because of it, you never got to use it, pretty much. <laughs>
1: That's right. I mean, I mean, I guess to be fair, we were probably recorded it a week or two prior. So in our minds, it wasn't immediately obsolete. Back when we used to be able to like batch record episodes several at a time, because everything didn't change every other week. We we really didn't see that coming.
0: <laughs> yes, please never tell us that we don't have an amazing sense of timing. Oh. Uh. Now, the next episode category I want to talk about is, Leslie, when we choose episode topics, a lot of them we think are going to be fun. We just know that's going to be a fun episode to record. What is one of the most fun episodes you thought we recorded that you expected to be fun?
1: Well, one of the most fun for me was episode 68, which I recorded with you after the Galaxy's Edge opening day. I mean, this was the most anticipated thing in a decade at Disney, I think. And it still sort of rates really high. And being able to attend that and be able to report on that was just personally really fun for me, even as a not a super Star Wars geek. So and also just sort of share the excitement of, with you, because um, I think you're probably more of a Star Wars geek than I am even.
0: Yeah, that was a great episode. That was a lot of fun. I think to me, all the episodes we recorded about New Lance opening, like that Toy Story episode that I talked about where we were both there together, all of those have been a lot of fun. Now, my most fun episode that we recorded, or one of the most fun episodes that we recorded, Leslie, was the infamous episode 196, Advanced Genie Plus Lightning Lane Tips. <laughs> it was so much fun to record, which is it why was. it's so painful that seven days later, it became obsolete. But don't cry for what it was lost be happy for the fun that was had so
1: it was and I think I did tweet the next morning I was you know when it was released I was like this is one of the episodes I'm proudest of in our history of podcasting and I am still really proud of it I mean it was like what you and I do best like hacking and getting into the the nitty gritty and and into the weeds and when we started this podcast it was it was meant more for the beginners and maybe the beginning intermediate folks but sometimes you and I just want to completely geek out for the advanced folks And this was that. I'm sorry it didn't last. I'm sorry.
0: Scripture says pride comes before a fall. And we learned that all too well (laughs) in episode 196. But it was still a lot of fun to record. Sometimes we record episodes. We come up with episode ideas, especially during the pandemic. We had to come up with some filler episode ideas that kind of iffy on whether it's going to be fun or not. But surprise, surprise, some of these episodes become a ton of fun. So what is your most fun episode that was a surprise to you?
1: The most fun for me was the episode we did on the food for the 50th anniversary. And I mean, I remember you pitching that idea to me and I was like, oh, Joe, like we're not foodies. We also haven't tried this food, so we're going to have an episode about food that we haven't even eaten and... It turned out to be so much fun just looking at the menus and some of the ridiculous things that Disney comes up with. Cheeto encrusted hamburger bun. It's going to live on for generations to come.
0: Yeah, well, that was going to be what I said was my most surprisingly fun episode as well. I will say another episode, I guess I wasn't surprised that we had a lot of fun recording it, but I did enjoy the detour was... Oh, and by the way, that was episode 191 where we did the 50th food. But episode 181, we talked about what we've been watching on Disney Plus, and I had a lot of fun with that episode. In fact, we had so much fun that Leslie and I are talking about doing a updated version of that. So sometimes when we take the detours from the parks, they can be a lot of fun. I guess the food's not a detour from the parks, but it's a detour from what's normally in our wheelhouse.
1: For sure. So I'm grateful for you for pushing those boundaries for us, Joe, because had some good times as a result.
0: Next category is, this is not necessarily an episode that we recorded. What's your favorite trip that you've taken since the show has started? So
1: because of the pandemic, I haven't taken trips as often as I used to. So I don't have a ton, ton of trips to choose from. But my favorite, honestly, was when we met up in October of 2019. It was my last Walt Disney World trip before the pandemic. And you were there. I took the red eye in. We met up and... By the time we were park hopping in the afternoon, I was nodding off in the monorail <laughs> because I was so exhausted from having flown the Red Eye from San Francisco the night before. But it was it's always great to be in the parks with you, Joe. I mean, obviously, it's something that we can't do very often with our busy schedules and living on opposite coasts. And we're trying to do it with our families to get on a, maybe a Disney cruise here. We've tried and, and had to reschedule multiple times. But it's its great to get to, to meet up with you and sort of share that joy um in the parks together
0: yeah wasn't that the same trip where we finally tried monsters inc laugh floor which early on in the podcast history people wrote in angry angry letters <laughs> saying oh, how dare we besmirch the honor of monsters inc laugh floor i'm exaggerating but people did write in about monsters inc laugh floor so we finally tried it that's and then, right of course for those of you who were not listening back then they called on me at monsters inc laugh floor and i died so uh yeah
1: Yeah, that was quite a trip. That was a great memory. That was right before I fell asleep on the monorail. So, you know, we peaked. That was it. That made the trip worth it.
0: Indeed. All right. So the last category, and this will be fun to talk about. I asked Leslie a few weeks ago, what do you think our most listened to episode is? You know, what is the episode that has been downloaded the most times? And Leslie, you did not guess correctly. I don't think you were even in the ballpark. Please share with the listeners What is the episode of Disney Decipher that has been most downloaded since our inception?
1: Well, it makes sense now that I see the name of it, given what's happened. But it's our episode about dealing with Disney withdrawal. And that is something, of course, that all of us had to deal with in the last couple of years for various reasons, um, park closures, etc. And yeah, so I guess that's the one. People miss Disney when they can't go.
0: Yeah, we originally recorded that, you know, talking about like, oh, you came home from Disney World and you're not going to get back for a while. So how do you deal with Disney withdrawal then? Little did we know that it uh, got even deeper than that. But yeah, that is our most listened to episode. And like you said, it does make sense. You know, no one cares about our tips, Leslie. They just want to know how to deal with their Disney withdrawal. So in fact, they're probably just listening because, you know, they're addicted to Disney and they have nothing else to listen to.
1: Well, we appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Thank you. Yeah. And we are going to, well, let me do a quick Disney do or don't. And uh, again, tonight is going to be tongue-in-cheek. Don't go back and listen to all 200 episodes. Some of them are frankly quite terrible. As you heard at the beginning of the episode, we did not have great mics to begin with. Uh, If we can indulge ourselves for a second, we did not think we were going to be here doing 200 episodes. So at the time, how did we know that you were going to need a better mic?
1: We didn't. Sorry. I think it was like $12 on Amazon, what I was using. So... (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yes. So. And sounded uh, like
1: it. Sounded like it. It
0: definitely. It definitely. Um. I. I have thought. I. I'm never gonna make you do this. But there was a point in my life where I was like, should I just write out the transcript and have Leslie just reread the entire portion of what Sheesh. she said for those episodes? I don't oh my know. gosh! You know, I, I, I'm crazy about. Uh, Well, I would have redone my stuff too from back then, but um, when you edit hundreds of podcasts, these are the kinds of twisted things that start entering your brain. But uh, we wanted to end with a bunch of thank yous. So uh, Leslie, why don't you kick off our thank yous for the last 200 episodes?
1: All right. I mean, big thank you to my family for indulging me as they are doing right now, recording all of these 200 episodes and kids getting themselves ready for bed and my husband covering uh, while we record. So that's uh, lovely. It's been especially hard with everybody under one roof this past year. Very grateful to them and for letting me go to Disney all the time so that I have things to talk about. I mean, obviously not Disney World as much lately, but... Plenty of other Disney destinations.
0: Yeah, and I gotta thank my infamously uh, Disney disliking wife for putting up with all this, letting me take the kids, letting me go on my own. We are skipping our Korean drama for the night so that I can record this as well. So, you know, everyone has to make their sacrifices. So, really shout out and thank you to my entire family for putting up with us for the last 200 episodes. Uh, The next group that we really want to thank is, oh, I'm getting a thumbs down from my wife from the window for skipping out on the Korean drama. Ouch! You, know, she, you just
1: thanked her! <laughs>
0: uh, that's This is just the relationship we have, the loving relationship that we have.
1: All right. Anyway,
0: as I was saying, uh, we really want to thank all the guests, the amazing guests that we've had on for the last 200 episodes. Whenever they come on, they have so much to offer and to bring. So uh, we really appreciate all of you who have come on in the past, thank you so much.
1: Super impressed by all the the bloggers and, you know, journalists and strategists that we've had over the years. We definitely sometimes punch above our weight, Joe. <laughs> so I'm grateful for everybody who's wanted to come on board and share their tips with us. It's been fun and added to aspects about Disney that I would never have known about otherwise.
0: Yeah, and... Our listeners who have been guests as well, they experience Disney in a way that we wouldn't think to try. And we always appreciate the trip reports that we get to do with listeners. And then, of course, we have to thank our listeners overall, everyone who has listened at this point. Leslie, if you can believe it, our podcast has been downloaded over half a million times, which means a million ears have listened to it multiplied by two. So, Pat, our numbers right there. But, uh (laughs) You know, we just really appreciate anyone who has taken the time to listen to this podcast, you know, this hobby of ours. We really appreciate all of our listeners for the last 200 episodes and hopefully for the next ones. All right. Only two more groups to thank, Leslie.
1: All right. Well, we got to thank Disney World for being there for us to have something to talk about. <laughs> right. And and honestly, I mean, I want to thank also, I mean, I work with a lot of great cast members, you know, PR, media departments as a result of what I do. And they know that sometimes I'm critical when Disney has a misstep. and. They want me to share that and I'm grateful for those relationships and just for all the the cast members, you know, in the parks who have made my Disney day that much better. I mean, those are real superstars.
0: I agree. Yeah, without Disney, uh, we wouldn't be doing this and we don't love everything that they do, but ultimately we still love the park. We still love visiting them and we still love what it means to us and to our families. So big shout out to the Walt Disney World company for letting us still be kids and record this podcast final shout out goes to all of our patrons and all who have supported us in the past uh, we just want to thank you so much for supporting us we really appreciate it it means a lot to us that anyone who listen to us for free is amazing but that people are willing to support us and to support this crazy endeavor is even more meaningful to us so we really want to shout out and thank all our current and our past patrons thank you all for your support in the past
1: tons of thanks to all of you. It warms my heart. And this still is a passion project for the both of us. But we really do appreciate the financial support that sort of takes a little bit of the edge off of spending all this time and making wives mad and giving you thumbs down. Right, Joe indeed
0: yeah and anyone who has uh, become a client through this podcast and reach out to me through that uh, personally uh, thank you for that as well it's been great to get to know some of you we should have said when we were talking about the listeners it's been great to get to know the listeners as well from those who told us about Monsters Inc Laugh Floor to those who wrote expressing condolences for the dolphin shower incident that I had back in November thank you so much everyone
1: Thank
0: you. Well, that is enough self-indulgence for the next two years or so. So thank you again, everyone, for listening for the last 200 episodes. Here's 200 more. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you in two years when we do this again for episode 300.
1: Thanks, Joe.